Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, bringing you backstage and behind the scenes with stars, creators, and industry leaders on Broadway and beyond. I'm Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I'm talking to the leaders of the National Black Theater. Founded in Harlem in 1968 by Dr. Barbara Ann Teer, National Black Theater has long made a mission of producing theater that centers the black experience with an emphasis on multifaceted authenticity and autonomy. The company's current season includes its first Broadway outing in Fat Ham, the Pulitzer Prize-winning play by James Imes that NBT co-produced with the public last year. As the show starts Broadway performances next month, the company is also in the midst of a capital redevelopment project for a 21-story building in Harlem that will provide a home for the theater, as well as affordable housing and more. The company's current CEO, Shade Lifcott, is the daughter of the founder, and she leads NBT with executive artistic director Jonathan McCrory. The two of them are in the virtual studio with me to talk their upcoming Broadway outing, their ambitions for their new building, and what's so important about creating a holistic home for Black stories, Black artists, and Black audiences. Hi, Shade and Jonathan. Thanks for joining me. Happy to be here. Hi. Great to be here. So for listeners who might not know a whole lot about National Black Theater, I wonder if we could just start off talking a little bit about the history of the theater and the work you do there and the space it creates. Sure, I'll start off. Um, Thanks for having us. So the National Black Theater is the oldest and longest running black theater in New York City. It was founded in 1968 by our founder, Dr. Barbara Antier, who happens to be my mother. Um, and she created National Black Theater in the wake of civil, the civil unrest of the civil rights and through the birth of the Black arts movement, um, created uh, its own art form, really. Uh, as an actress and a performer, a director, she was, um, you know, 
exhausted by how stymied and one-dimensional the roles for Black actors were. Um, and so she became a part of like a seminal movement uh, to create Black spaces. In 1968, Dr. King, his last address said, you know, build Black spaces and institutions. And I think she saw it as a call to action. Um, and so National Black Theater was formed to kind of go one step beyond representation with so many Black theaters that were formed during the late 60s. We're really tackling representation and storytelling and on the stage to really kind of turn the volume up on what it might be like to use Black storytelling through the unapologetic truth of Black artists to help not only um, create stories, authentic stories of Black lifestyle, but also radical care for Black communities in the space of Black liberation in service of human transformation. And so she moved the family up to Harlem, where we've been since 1968. Her first original company uh, of the National Black Theater was, um, she referred to the actors and the uh, playwrights as liberators. Mm. This idea that our art form has the power and the soul force energy by telling authentic stories of black lifestyle to um, counter counter the kind of mainstream narratives around uh, the tropes of black culture and that we as artists can liberate ourselves through the art of storytelling. And in that our audience, our community get to be um, kind of uh, inspired to take action in their own liberation. So it was a conversation between uh, liberation and the beginning conversation of what does active citizens in community look like or, you know, a very personal approach to our own kind of activism and social impact. So that is how we started in 1968. Uh, since then, we have remained in Harlem for the most part, really touring our work, uh, championing contemporary African-American playwrights, directors, and producers. In 1983, we had the great fortune of buying the city block that our theater was in, um, which put us in the conversation of institution building, where we understood that more than anything, what Black community and Black artists deserved was a home away from home. And how did we create something with permanence that we could kind of, you know, look at giving our community something it's never had since Black folks were brought to this country um, uh, from Africa, which was a true home. Um, home has been an idea for a Black um, African-American culture since we were ripped from Africa. But what would like bricks and mortar look like? What was that salve, that healing need for being able to see each other and recognize each other wholly? Um, and so we purchased the city block uh, in 1983 and uh, began building what it was the institution of the National Black Theater. The, the complex that we have the privilege to steward now uh, is the first revenue generating black arts complex in the country. And under Jonathan and myself's leadership, we are undergoing building the theater of the future, which is the most exciting thing. So we're in a capital project right now that has us itinerant, um, but still very much uh, 
investing in these radical and imaginative, authentic, unapologetic Black artists that get to tell their story through playwriting, directing, producing, acting, and designing. And so we see ourselves as a laboratory and a hub for all things Black culture through the theater mm -hmm. lens. Yeah. And Jonathan, tell me a little bit about what you, when did you become involved? What did you know of the theater? What do you, what, and what do you as an artistic director consider some of its crowning achievements over the years? Yeah, I mean, I, so I've had the privilege of working um, in partnership with Sade for close to now 11 years. We're 11 years strong. Um, since that time, I uh, really have died, I have been able to grow inside of my leadership and inside of my um, inside of my uh, understanding of my contribution to this organization. I'm starting off as the director of theater arts programming, then turning into the artistic director, and then now um, the executive artistic director. Um, and during that tenure and during that time, um, uh, I have really been able to fall in love with this uh, audacious and powerful um, historical and actually revolutionary narrative and, and placemaking mission that National Black Theater has always had. Um, as a student at Duke Ellington School of the Arts, uh, National Black Theater was part of my um, curriculum. Um, the, the, uh, the chair of my theater department, Ken Johnson, at Duke Ellington um, was, a st was a student of Dr. Tears, uh, went through the Tear Technology of Soul, which is a uh, acting technique that Dr. Barbara and Tear uh, created and cultivated um, to train black artists uh, to live inside of um, their full selves in the creative process. Uh, and so and so the the myth, the legend, and also the actuality of who MBT was, it was a part of my educational apparatus. Um, and uh, not, not something that I would necessarily say was 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 fully in um, the zeitgeist of uh, of where I thought I would land per se in the way in which I've landed. Um, uh, however, uh, it is it, it it has always been um, a huge a huge part of my of my upbringing as a black artist. Um, and then uh, Michelle Shea, a mutual a colleague, friend, love of uh, both uh, Sade's actual godmother, I will say my theater godmother, um, uh, saw my saw a work that I had done called Black in the Bubble uh, at Harlem School of the Arts um, and uh, said after seeing that work, which was written by a playwright by the name of Eric Lockley, after seeing that work, said, I think that there's something that you and Sade, do you know Sade? You and Sade need to meet. You and Sade need to connect. And um, we set up a moment to have tea um, weeks later, and we have never left each other's side since. Um, it became a love fest. So when I when I think, when I, that's how I was drawn to the organization. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, and my commitment in staying in the organization is, it goes back to that really audacious, beautiful invitation that Dr. Barbara and Tier for forged, uh, which was welcome to your home away from home. Um, this idea that a black artist, a black people uh, can find home on the soil uh, when we were placed here, uh, not by our will, but as a, as a forced uh, migration um, um, to be indentured, uh, indentured into in servitude and in, in slavery. Um, and then what does it mean to find your liberation um, from those shackles into the wholeness of your body and reminding yourself uh, who you are and where you come from and how powerful your legacy and your lineage is um, and, and having a return home. Um, there's, there's something quite powerful about 
this this conversation of connecting um, Africa to America, America to Africa, um, that NBT um, consistently is doing it. And in particularly uh, when we think about Nigeria and, you th and we start thinking about the Oshun, Oshun Grove and Yoruba faith, um, like what does that mean to create, to create the nexus for that cultural barrier to happen? Um, and so many black and brown bodies uh, long for that. I mean, I did when I was in um, college, I longed for a destination that I could call home that looked like me, felt like me, um, and built from a zeitgeist of rigor in which I had desired. So it's been a privilege to hopefully write a history, um, write write new histories for future generations um, to not long for a home, but know where a home can be. I Can I just quickly say too, Gordon, yeah. uh, the first project Jonathan and I worked on was um, our first season actually national black theater didn't really conform to kind of the structure of western theater nonprofit theater with a season we were more community activated right and so we were um responsive to community but uh when my when dr tier passed away and i took the helm i understood that in order to create um, the foundation that would create some sustainability and stability for the organization, there were certain things that were necessary to, um, to uh, adopt. And so Jonathan, uh, I brought him in on a project um, called Lyrics from Lockdown. And I bring up that as our first seminal work together because it really uh, uh, cemented uh, this idea of holistic producing which takes the lens of social impact and social justice themes throughout the kind of work that we'll produce. Mm -hmm. And so Lyrics from Lockdown by Breon Bain was a partnership that National Black Theater had with Harry Belafonte and Gina Belafonte mm -hmm. and really saw us pair um, our efforts with um, um, the Ford Foundation and the New York Correctional Association. And I lift that up because that was that became a formula for how we can have trans transformational um, theater experiences for both our community and for uh, the artists that we would interact with. Um, and so we world premiered Lyrics for Lockdown. It was our first New York Times major review and working with the Belafontes, um, Gina and uh, Mr. B was just transformational and we understood very quickly like this is our jam new work uh developing work and producing and then some of the highlights from them have been we produced james im's first new york world premiere in kill move paradise pairing him with sahim ali the first time that those two would work together obviously not the last yeah. Um, championing organizations like the New Black Fest, introducing new work of Dominique Morisseau. We uh, co-produced um, Detroit 67, directed by Kwame Kwe Arma, as a co-production with the Public Theater and Classical Theater of Harlem. So they've been these moments all along the way while we were still on 125th and 5th Avenue that really um, mark some of the highlights of our time um, partnering with each other, Jonathan and I. But what I will also say is it also cemented our um, work to bridge community with theater through our dramaturgical lobby exhibits that um, squarely are rooted in social impact themes in order to really make our 
home away from home, a welcoming space for folks that might be familiar with the topic, but not the art of theater. And so those are some of the things that I would laud that um, have brought us to uh, this moment together. Yeah. And so you are in the process of building a new home, expanding on the home you have. And you, it's, it's a, there are going to be residences. There are going to be, it's a, there's a, there's a lot going on in this home. A lot but, going on. Yeah. Tell, uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, cause that is not, I don't know of any other theater that also is a, you know, landlord for folks, uh, you know, in affordable <laughs> housing. So like, tell us a little bit about kind of what the idea behind that is and how you anticipate it, uh, kind of working for you. Sure. Uh, Jonathan, I can tag team this. Sure. Um, so, in 1983, uh, we had a horrible fire in the building we were renting space. And that was the moment that Dr. Tear said, um, I want to buy this building. And then she said, you know what? Not the building. I want to buy the block. And people thought she was crazy. And she said, I want to buy the block because it's the most famous address in the world. And, you know, it's 80s in Harlem. So you can only imagine we're still reeling with you know, uh, the race riots that had happened, crack cocaine, AIDS was, you know, tearing through the arts community. And so this ravaged piece of soulful land, she was like, is the most famous address in the world. But she said it because she knew you could go around the world and say Fifth Avenue and everybody knows New York City, opulence, breakfast at Tiffany's Museum Mile. And you could say 125th Street and everybody knows it's the cultural capital of the black world. And so she wanted to buy the intersection of the two and build what she called a temple, a temple of liberation for her people. And she absolutely went out and she did that. And the idea behind it in the 80s was to create an ecosystem where artists, local artists, artists of color could live, work and so live, work and serve, um, really double downing on this welcome to your home away from home. And so that seed has was planted then and has never left us. Um, so not to bore your listeners, but through a series of rezoning and community um, engagement and really galvanizing our community to say, is this something you want, right? In mm. order to go through our ULARP, we had to go through nine public hearings, all of which were unanimous for MBT to build a mixed-use building. And so we have the great fortune to raise a shit ton of money to build what we think is community revitalization that centers community. So we're building a mixed-use building of... Um, uh, housing that's affordable. We're piloting. We're so excited to pilot with our developer partners. Um, affordable housing for artists in New York City, which currently is, um, there isn't the policy to do that legally through the uh, housing system. And we understand how important affordable housing is. So we'll pilot in addition to our affordable housing, housing for artists that is radically affordable. We will reimagine the National Black Theater to be able to be um, as not just a space for theatric and 
theatrical ambition, but a space for community um, reflection and community engagement with um, a technical space for immersive storytelling using XR, a studio theater um, exhibition space. But the thing that feels really incredible, uh, because we've always seen National Black Theater as a training space for young designers, um, artists of color, we are going to build a set shop in the cellar as well. So it'll be an ecosystem to bring Dr. Tier's vision of living, working, and serving under one uh, building. And so we're excited to bring that to Harlem. Also to be able to continue to be a template, right? For how you engage community, not develop neighborhoods, but engage community. Because we believe that our community deserves first-class downtown resources without mm -hmm. having to get on the A train and go down to see that caliber of artistic rigor and ambition. So we're excited to do it. We're excited to do it on the corridor of 125th Street and join our, our friends at Studio Museum and the Apollo Theater, all one block away from us, and bring the energy of MBT Beyond Walls home in 2026. I'll have more with Sade and Jonathan right after the break. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. And now, here's more with the leaders of National Black Theater, Shade Lithcott and Jonathan McCrory. I wonder if this is, and this will be a question for both of you, I wonder if you could talk about, Shade, you talked about um, the founding of the theater and sort of in response to the civil rights movement and uh, all of that and the importance of the theater and what it does then. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what is important and meaningful now about what NBT does and how it does it in terms of how it is responding to this moment compared to, you know, the late 60s. I mean, I would have lived and say that like what's happening now, it's a, it's a, uh, what NBT is doing now is that it's responding to our society in the mid, like, I, there's a thing that we've been looking at is like, what does care, what does, what does aftercare look like in the midst of so much grief, right? Grief in the time of transformation. Yeah. We are all transforming, our society's transforming, our lives are transforming. Yet there is a latent sense of grief that is actually running through so many of our social circles, so many of what we lost and what we also uh, were not able to truly grieve in, in our normal, quote unquote, normal way um, since the pandemic has hit us. And so what MBT begins to bring to this to the forefront is a salve, right? And our curation and in our cultivation is a salve of creative ideation that looks at this theory of change. What does it look like to allow for black liberation plus art plus placemaking to create the conditions for humans to be transformed? We're very clear that we are centering on the ethos and the and the um, and and the pedagogy of what does it actually look like to allow for Black people to be liberated. So Black liberation through the vehicle of art, but then saying 
and especially what's so powerful about this moment is that we're able to transform this notion of national black theater from just being on 125th Street and Fifth Avenue, but this idea of it being an idea. That ideas are what actually transcend time, transcend location, and actually transform the, uh, uh, the very sense of like legacy and, the, and what we can pass on. And so what does it mean for us to be able to be stewards of, of, tool, of, of tooling those sites in which we are able to engage with, with, for them to also have tools of liberation to build their, as Dr. Barbara Antier would say, a national black theater on every city block, right? And I, and I, and I really believe in that, in the simple fact of, everybody deserves to be liberated and everybody deserves to have their own sense of transformation. So what does National Black Theater get to do now that it is that is part of its continual journey is that it gets to have a conversation with how are we still transforming, evolving as humanity through the understanding that we still have not given space for black and brown bodies to truly be liberated. And that the and that the biggest question has not been answered until a black woman is free, and I would say now a black trans woman is free. Uh, the eight old adage: We as society are not free, and we see it day in and day out in how we how how we distribute distribute power and how we kind of um, use utilize power to subjugate certain communities to to have to fend fight and have to live in unhumane conditions in what is known as the wealthiest country in the world, right? So then what does that mean? How do we, how do we scratch at that? I think MBT is looking at ways in which how we shine light on that, on that, on that imbalance. And also how do we create, and how do we create conditions for us to have healthy conversations that don't call you out who may not identify as part of the Black diasporic experience, how do we not call you out, but call you into relationship to understanding that we are all we're all having a human experience through particular um, situations that are that are that are a little bit beyond our control, but yet we can we can guide ourselves to a destiny together. So much of the world has changed um, in the midst of these two pandemics that or two plus two plus pandemics that have gone on, you know, we are all, especially theater, you know, still reeling from the impact of COVID-19. Um, and then of course we were all in isolation and quarantine when we watched the murder of George Floyd, which created a groundswell of reckoning, um, in some corners of the country and the planet that were not actively having these conversations. And to Jonathan's point, you know, I always say when folks are like, oh, we never knew about MBT. Are you brand new? And the, we always say, no, we're brand true. We've been doing this work for over a half a century. And the work of, of, of our theory of change really is about not focusing on the problem, but focusing on the solution. So call-out culture is nothing we've ever wanted to participate in. Call-out culture really still centers the problem. And we believe if you invest and you center something, that's where all the energy will go. So our calling in is saying, we've been doing the work of, of freedom, freedom work, right? And also to understand and this really magical time or catalytic time, I should say, not magical, but catalytic time of the pandemic, we get to see in real time how we're all connected. 
right? So if we're all connected, we understand community care differently through the pandemic. If we're all connected, then the freedom work we're doing at MBT is not just for folks that walk into MBT, it's for all of us. So we want to call people into having a relationship with their own freedom, which is something we've been doing since the uh, the time we opened our doors in 1968. And we just happen to do it through the lens of the Black artist and investment in the Black artist. Let's talk more about Fat Ham, which uh, you co-produced at The Public last year and uh, in just a few weeks is starting uh, rehearsals for its Broadway transfer. Um, I wonder if you could just, well, first of all, why, how and why does Fat Ham kind of exemplify the kind of theater that uh, NBT mm-hmm. does? I mean, I would just uplift and say uh, Fat Ham exemplifies the kind of theater NBT does. Um, you you kind of have to go back to Kilmu Paradise, um, mm-hmm. and, it, and the only reason why I say that is because the kind of Kilmu Paradise you... for uh, listeners. I'm actually you made it. You may have mentioned this already, Shade, but that was the uh, the playwright James Iams and the director Sahim Ali that uh, NBT co-produced um, a few years ago, five years ago. Ish. Yeah, we yeah we yeah. yeah we produced the world premiere of yeah. it in in New York City. Introdu- and and what and what I think is really important about saying mm-hmm. that as far as talking about how does why does Fat Ham exemplify uh, yeah. the kind of work that MBT wants to produce is because we are about durational relationships with artists. Mm-hmm. Um, we are about creating catalytic um, opportunities that really allow for artists to see themselves in the future and actually allow for them to create relationships that hopefully allow that hopefully build on the kind of a uh, vivacious kind of rigorous kind of um, explorative explore ex- yeah, explorative work that they would like to do um, past their moment of working with us. So mm. when we when we come to something like Fat Ham, um, the 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 chickens come home to roost in a good way, right? Um, uh, uh, Sahim Sahim who get who is who is granted this opportunity to finally um, do become the after becoming the artistic associate at. Uh, and the director in residence at the public theater gets this opportunity to do a show in-house. And in wanting to do something in-house, he wanted to bring the family back together. He wanted to say, hey, I'm, I'm about to make this leap. I'm about to do this thing. In order for me to do this thing, I'm going co- to go back to when I, I'm going to go back to the roots. Um, when, when, someone, when someone poured so much fertilizer, so much love into my life. Um, and, and paired me with a playwright that is like a brother to me, that I love like family, James Imes. Um, and I want to kind of bring all elements of the family back together so we can soar again and have another collision moment. Um, so so this, this moment, and, it, and we could talk about the art, but the relationship, I just want to talk about the relationship that, that have actually been interwoven inside this process is really important to name. Um, I think from an artistic standpoint, why Fat Ham exemplifies the kind of work that it, um, that that MBT seeks to do, likes to do, um, and is crafted to do, uh, is because Fat Ham uh, it it did it was an antidote in a t- in a moment when we all needed it. Um, we all needed a moment to be in joy. We all needed a moment to be in family. We all needed a moment to see each other smile and laugh again. And for 90 minutes, we got to sit with each other in an intimate setting when in a time when we were kind of told to be in that kind of tight space could be dangerous. And we laughed our hearts out. 
We didn't, we, it wasn't a play about grief or black grief or black trauma. Even those moments of those did show up. It was a, it was a play that said, I'm going to introduce laughter back into your normal vocabulary and welcome you into a love affair with a cultural, um, with a cultural moment, which is looking at, which is looking at this black family who does barbecue and looking at the cookout. And looking at what it means to have those family dynamics show up. So it was like rigorously rooted inside of black culture while also rigorously examining a Western cultural icon, which is uh, Hamlet, while also rigorously inviting a family back together. And the collision of all of that is what we like to say is diamond making processes. Mm. Like we want to be in the process of creating diamond making apparatuses. And that is done through healthy friction. Um, that is how diamonds are done and through a durational process. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I will just quickly say that ham exemplifies uh, National Black Theater's mission, vision, and um, kind of community agreements fundamentally because it's so subversive, right? When Dr. Tier formed the National Black Theater, this was a great experiment. It was a subversive experiment that used theater in this pursuit of liberation as we've spoken about. And the thing about Fat Ham was it's a subversive Hamlet, right? It is it is a way to talk about hard things through the mechanism of what brings everyone's guard down, which is joy and laughter. And one of the things that, you know, Jonathan is our artistic leader at National Black Theater. He has always said as a mandate in his leadership is, I am less interested in the Pulitzer award-winning play. I'm interested in supporting and developing the artist to come into relationship with the Pulitzer award-winning artist. So from that standpoint as well, that ham exemplifies what Jonathan as executive artistic director set out to do. He does it in our residency programs, but really with this new work of James uh, as Kill Move Paradise, he saw that thing in both James and Sahim where we wanted to pour radical care into these artists because, you know, we wanted them to be in a relationship with the, with the, with their liberation and of like that Pulitzer Award winning artist. And so you can only imagine winning the Pulitzer three days before uh, preview start was a, a wild, wild ride, but also cementing what we stand for at National Black Theater and what we invest in as National Black Theater. And I think the last thing that I would just say is that that subversive nature of always looking to counter respond to what the media is showing. So I, I think back to, you know, the summer that Mike Brown was killed and there were so many police um, killings and we were watching this kind of psychic, traumatic pornography on repeat. MBT just dedicated that season to In Pursuit of Black Joy. And similarly, in this time of tumult, as we, you know, as we mourn the deaths of Tyree Nichols and countless Black bodies, we think a part of that antidote is to tell the truth through the mechanism of joy, because what our community deserves is a break. What our community deserves is to be able to tell our story and seed it in the, the root chakra of laughter, not that is born of our experience. And so what I think that folks will experience when they come hopefully to see Fat Ham on Broadway, what Black audience in particular is that, as Jonathan said, it's incredibly funny. Like it is laugh out loud, gut 
like stomach holding gut funny but for black audience all too often those kinds of comedies on broadway we find ourselves in audiences where we feel like people are laughing at us not with us and so this is another call call you in moment where audience of all shapes colors sizes gender sexuality can find themselves in the characters that James has James has written and Sahim is masterfully directing and we can let our guard down and learn more about each other through laughter and so we're excited about that also it's activism because James wrote Fat Ham in an activist tongue and pen because as he went to school and he studied Shakespeare all of his professors said that the Shakespearean you know iambic pentameter is clumsy and doesn't belong on the black tongue so he was like i'll show you and this fat ham um a southern queer uh take on hamlet fat ham is born yeah yeah and in addition we should say in addition to fat ham there's also programming and uh residencies and other things all going on at uh national black theater so yeah, we have a full season. Our full season is MBT Beyond Walls, Love, A Ritual of Repair. Um, currently right now, we are in tech. We are in tech for Amani, um, which will be our first main stage production. It's in co-production with Rattlestick. Uh, it is a profound, beautiful um, quest of looking at a young black girl's uh, journey. And we go through her journey to find her own liberation. Um, her parents pinned that her liberation would be for her to go to the moon. So we're on a journey of figuring out what does it mean for a black body to see to, to see their liberation beyond the stars? What happens when we go beyond the stars? How do we see ourselves beyond the stars? Um, and then from there, we go to a beautiful show that's happening at the Signature Persian Square um, with the new group. We have Bernard's Daughter. And then we round out the season actually with a couple of events, but a workshop production with at the Flea called Black Mother Lost Daughter. Um, we also have a partnership with the, with the Park Avenue Army that we will be doing on Dr. Tier's birthday on June 18th um, called Hidden, Hidden Conversations. I wonder if we could close uh, by, uh, I'd like to ask you, you know, it's right there in the title, National Black Theater. In what ways is the work that you do national and how do you imagine it continuing to grow nationally as you grow into your new space and your new, uh, and your new home? So, I mean, when I think of the word National Black Theater um, and I think about our work, um, I, I'm reminded of this, of this need of, as a young black artist um, of how, how we are on a day-to-day -day basis inspiring the next generation to have a pillar to lean on, to grow to, to aspire. And I think the way that we are national as National Black Theater is how we are how how we have worked in places like um, St. Louis St. Um, the St. Louis Theater, uh, how we worked at McCarter, how we worked at um, D.C., how we worked in Boston, um, how how our how the seedlings of our work have actually gone um, by supporting um, Infoniso, uh, how her work has transformed and been around her permanto has happened all over the country. We helped to develop that. Um, we helped Orrin Squire, um, who then became the, the, the writer for This Is Us. And, and then we think about the trajectory of Orrin Squire. I think the national and national black theater is that we are the ignition and, and, the, and the light and we're the ignition and launch pad 
for black artists to begin to mature and maturate the very essence of who they are and create the platform for them to stand as pillars in our society. Um, the national and the national black theater is that we draw and attract um, the kind of attention that is necessary so that black artists can um, righteously have that kind of a launching pad as well. Um, and that we are dealing and that we ha we work we work in addressing national issues um, that are impact our society both locally and nationally. So um, so so that's what I think about when I think about the word national black theater. And I think about also this moment of MBT beyond walls. Um, and how and how it's really helping us to ignite that word national because we can take our place-based idea and enter and, and introduce it to uh, uh, lo different locations so freely, so effortlessly, um, and then also culminate those all, all those ideas to then be fed back into the actual institution um, when we go come back to in twenty twenty six. I will try to briefly say. National looks like a lot of different things at National Black Theater. I'll piggyback and pick up from Fat Ham. You know, for National Black Theater to be transferring something to Broadway, which is not only a national stage, it is the global stage. Um, we are the third Black theater in the history of the Great White Way to have anything transferred to Broadway. That is, you know, that is mind blowing that we're getting diverse um, stories on, on the uh, commercial theater stage on Broadway, but none of them have come from our community, have been developed in our spaces. And we're the first black theater since 1978 to do so. So I think that has national impact, creating a template for other culturally specific theaters to see what might be possible um, with the kind of artistic rigor and cultural um, capital that we pour into our partnerships and our development of artists that feels incredibly um, impactful on a national um, stage. I think also this idea of national Black theater is um, transcends New York City and really has a, converse, a global conversation of Black artists understanding that there is a place that can meet them wherever they are. Whether it is after the Pulitzer, they've won the Pulitzer, or as they're exiting you know, college, that this is a home for their wildest imagination. And I think the idea of National Black Theater transcends space and time, because I think of young dancers, uh, young Black dancers, just to understand that Alvin Ailey exists gives them possibility. And so the idea that National Black Theater that's breaking all of these historic barriers, centering our liberation is a idea that transcends um, into a national and global kind of I, uh, uh, um, impact. And then lastly, you know, calibrating a space. Yes, Jonathan has mentioned, we are, we are develop actively developing and producing work all over the country. So we're literally national, but also this idea of creating safe space where Black artists can feel seen, safe, and I would go so far to say sacred, is, um, is 
we plant seeds that grow not only in the artists, but get to bloom all over the country because we understand that the artists we support go everywhere, you know? And so from that standpoint, I would say that um, we are a national ignition space for Black storytelling and Black culture um, globally. And that feels really exciting to be able to lean into that. And then I guess, lastly, Spirit is telling me I should share a secret with your audience. And that secret is when Dr. Tier um, founded the theater and named it the National Black Theater. One, she wanted to have the gravitas of a home away from home nationally, as we've talked at nauseum about. But it's also about cultural pride, right? This idea that we are nationalists, that we we stick a flag in the firmament of what it is to be proud to be Black. So what is a Black nationalist, right? They are someone that comes from the National Black Theater so that we encourage our writers, we encourage our artists to unleash their soul on paper. That is their, that is their um, affirming of their deep pride in their cultural, um, in their cultural essence. And so national also kind of is a nod to our own pride in, um, what we've been able to bring and cultivate in this country um, and of the diaspora. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we uh, can't wait to see everything uh, NBT has coming up. Can't wait to see Fat Ham again. Um, thank you both. Thank you both for joining me. It was great to talk to you. Gordon, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. That was Sade Lithcott and Jonathan McCrory of National Black Theatre, whose co-production of Fat Ham starts performances on Broadway March 21st. If you like what you're hearing on this and other episodes of StageCraft, I'd really appreciate it if you took the time to rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps. Or tell a friend about StageCraft. Find past episodes and subscribe at all the pod purveyors, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on the Broadway Podcast Network, which is a great place to find more theater for your ears. Until next episode, find me on Twitter at GCoxVariety. Thanks for listening, and see you at the theater. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.